Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. In your Week in IndyCar guest episode, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Who do we have? It's the mayor. He is the highest ranking official among IndyCar drivers. The mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe, making his first, but really one of the uh, most significant sit-downs, conversations, discussions since since his career trajectory went a little bit off the expected path during the offseason. So I want to mention right up front, really do appreciate James, not just trusting me, but trusting you all, come on to the show, subject himself to your questions and mine, and know that he could be in a, uh, in a good place to really, I want to say speak out, but just know that he can talk about the future, the past, what went down as much as he could within the boundaries of decorum and just being a very kind and thoughtful Canadian. That's certainly a, a governing aspect of his life. So great time here with James. Some fun stuff as well. You all send in great stuff every week for us where we laugh a lot and think and a little bit of silliness is a part of everything we do here. Part somewhere near the end on Alexander Rossi, his off track with Hinch and Rossi co-host and as to which Timbit flavor Rossi would be. It's just, it's the best part. It's my favorite part of the episode. Ah, good stuff. Uh, Hinch has been on our show many times. As I mentioned, as we get to the very end of the episode, this is actually his ninth appearance on the podcast. And so just a good friend on a hashtag me personally level and also a really awesome member of the racing community who's regularly doing things to help others, support others. And in this case, it was cool just to be able to give Hinch a rather open and warm platform to say hello to a lot of people after having to keep things rather quiet in recent months. We opened speaking about his brand new sponsor, Genesis, and 2020 racing plans, 2021, just a wide variety of things, all driven by your questions. If this is your first time listening, this show and also my listener Q&A show, a separate episode where you fire in questions for me, it's all driven by you, submitted by the questions we call for each week on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast Facebook page, also on my at Marshall Pruitt Twitter handle, and then the Reddit IndyCar group also contributes questions. So if you haven't before, send in a question to myself, to our guests, to whomever, and we'll try and get to them on a weekly basis. So this time around, it's our man, the mayor. Spent about an hour on the phone, and I hope you will enjoy both the hard questions and the easy ones. That's about it. Not a lot to say other than that. Except for one little note, I figure, which might be great to share. Last night, so I'm doing this little recording intro early Wednesday afternoon. Late last night, Tuesday, the 21st, we passed the 4 million download mark for this stupid little podcast I started in May of 2016. It was really little more than an experiment. I had no idea if people wanted to hear me speaking to a microphone on a regular basis. I'm still not entirely sure folks do, but I'm persistent. So here we are, what, three and a half, a little over three and a half years later, 
And yeah, just hit the 4 million total download mark. As I mentioned often when we get to these milestones, I do realize that the Joe Rogan podcast hits 4 million downloads per episode in about half an hour. So context, fully get it. My numbers, our numbers here generated are not even a blip on the radar to be recognized by the real, the big podcasts. But at least for the somewhat small world of sports car racing and IndyCar racing, the things that I love and focus on, it's a pretty humbling thing to know that you all have helped us get to 4 million downloads. And we did it coming from the 3 million download threshold that we hit in 2019 took us a little over seven months to generate uh, 1 million downloads moving from 3 million to 4 million. So that too, it's the fastest we've ever produced a million downloads. So just thank you. And thank you again. Last little bit here, just while we're sharing and by we, I mean me, we've also had unrelated to IndyCar, but just part of what we do in the podcast. We've also had the, most popular episode ever of all time just emerge that being the corvette racing car in-car audio that i posted late monday captured at the recent imsa roar before the 24 test it is <laughs> it's doing silly things it is on its way to 50,000 downloads in less than 2 days we've had our biggest single day of traffic ever as a result of that amazing Corvette in-car audio. So, yeah, boy, um, just really so, so appreciative of all that you do and Cooper Tires folks and the Justice Brothers, Toronto Motorsports, and all the fun stuff they do for us with T-shirts and stickers and just keeping the semi-serious, semi-not- personality of this show and hopefully myself alive and available and then also our pals at bell just everybody here thank you so much because this little podcast thing that was an experiment is it's really seemingly growing and becoming more and more and as much as i think we might be reaching our limits you all help us reach even higher so let's get going with our man the mayor of hinchtown james hinchcliffe be competing at the indy 500 with Genesis coming up here in May. More about what went down in 2019 with his former team, what he's hoping for in the future, just the usual rotation of goodness, all driven by your questions here on the Week in IndyCar guest episode. Holy cow, is this the mayor on the phone? I don't know if I've, I've heard from this guy, at least in podcast form, in a little while. Oh, no, sorry. This is Mrs. Marco Andretti. You want me to go get James for you? Oh, dang it. Andretti. Andretti. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? I'm so happy to look at it, pictures on the interwebs of you and good people in a town that's just right next to the one I was born and raised in and race cars and stuff. This all seems like a pretty darn good way to start your 2020, James Hinchcliffe. Yeah, no, certainly, uh, certainly a more uplifting uh, start to 2020 than uh, <laughs> to 2019. But it was, 
you know, it was great to you know, finally get some good news out there and, and announce, uh, announce a partnership with Genesis, which, you know, we're obviously very excited about. And it's, it's nice to know that, you know, we've got, uh, got the sponsor to go race at the speedway. So I don't know what you were referring to about the end of 2019. That was a little cryptic there. Um, what you're about to start your 10th season with Newman Haas racing. So I believe everything's been going somewhat according to, to norm, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything since my debut in 2011 to, to present time has just been smooth sailing. You and Oriel Servia, still teammates after all these years. We can't believe it. Well, isn't it grand? As always, we have a delightful assembly of questions that have come in from my listeners, your listeners, what? Race car driver, podcaster, um, Dancer extraordinaire, you're many things. You're a multifaceted man. So we have our usual assembly of great questions. Got some that'll get into a little bit of of things maybe being slightly derailed for you uh, towards the end of 2019. So we're going to get into that. We're not going to, you know, uh, try and wash all that stuff away because we don't want to be as real as we can about what went down. And just all kinds of fun stuff, too. So why don't we jump into the newest news? About this announcement with Genesis, I do love all the comments about what are you a bigger fan of, the Phil Collins era or the Peter Gabriel era. But let's go to uh, our man, Nick Dovniak. Tyler Graff also has a question here. Nick says, just want to thank Hinch for being the amazing Canadian and spokesman growing up watching Jacques Villeneuve, Paul Tracy, and Greg Moore. I love that Hinch carries on the Canadian motorsports excellence. Tyler also says, not a question, just wanted to say, Super pumped for you to be back and kick some butt in May. And then we get to Neil Joseph. Says, Hinch, congrats on the new sponsor. How did it come about? That seems like an interesting story about Daily City's finest, Genesis. <laughs> well, yes, first of all, uh, you know, to the first comments, thank you guys. That's uh, that's that's very, very kind of you to say and, and very much appreciated. I, uh, I am definitely proud Canadian and, you know, want to try to keep the, uh, <clears throat> the heritage of, uh, of, you know, good Canadian IndyCar drivers going strong and represent the country. Well, so I, uh, I do appreciate those comments. Um, as far as the story of Genesis, yeah, it's a funny one. There's no doubt about it. I, uh, I, I kind of joked, uh, in an interview yesterday that, this is going to go down, I think, as a case study in some sort of motorsports business class at some point, just, you know, exploring the the new era of motorsports sponsorship. First contact was made by an employee of Genesis sliding into my DMs. <laughs> so, you know, this is now sliding into DMs yeah. is something, you know, much more familiar to my colleague, Connor Daly, in a much different capacity. Oh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I got a I got a message in my Instagram direct message inbox sort of saying, you know, hey, uh, read your story, uh, raw deal. What does it cost to sponsor an IndyCar? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I've been doing this a while. These aren't conversations that usually go much past this, you know, just uh, never thinking that it was it was going to happen the way that it did. And, you know, long story short, I sort of kind of replied with a, 
brief synopsis of kind of what the ranges of partnership means and explained, you know, it's, it's very different depending on what the company wants and what level of branding and what sort of activation, et cetera, et cetera, but anywhere from X to Y. And he said, all right, cool. I'm going to go chat to my CMO and I'll get back to you. <laughs> and then he, and then he replied and said, yeah, my CMO is really interested. Can we know more? And I was like, well, how about I send you my email? We can start communicating like real people. And, and so we did. And, um, man, and that's kind of how the conversation started. And, uh, what was so amazing is, you know, less than two months later, we were standing on a stage in Florida announcing it to the company and to the world. Um, you know, you normally relationships like this, partnerships like this can take 12 or 24 months to, you know, really cultivate and, and get a company to understand the benefits of a motorsport sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. And for a company as big as Genesis is with employees all over the world, uh, you know, trying to talk to the high ups in San Francisco from the office in Indy, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that we got this deal done uh, in such an incredibly short period of time is just amazing and can't thank them enough for believing in me and, and, and wanting me to represent the company. And now I just can't wait to get back to work. So this is not intended to be a blowing smoke type question or, or acknowledgement, but I do think I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't mention this observation. Your plight, your scenario, driver, lots of tenure in the sport, success, wins, etc., representing a variety of large companies or important companies. There are a lot of James Hinchcliffe-like scenarios, not necessarily everyone with as high a profile as yours, but at the end of the year, this driver, out of luck, out of a ride, replaced, whatever it might be. There are a lot of drivers who, at the end of a racing season, find themselves in your exact scenario on the sidelines. No real answer about how you're going to get back to have a major company like this say, we've learned about you, your story and are interested in a relatively short amount of time from it transpiring and are interested in doing something significant with you. How does that register James? Cause that tells me folks connect with you in more than just sympathetic ways. But I guess we could assume with Genesis, they see the actual marketing and sales value in aligning with you. That's the best case scenario that does not happen that often for drivers who find themselves out of work at the end of the season. For sure. I mean, it's, it's a unique scenario in a, in a lot of ways, you know, and I think any, any driver that was in my position at the end of the year, um, you know, we, we all buckle down and, and put our heads down and, uh, and pound the pavement and try to try to get ourselves back to where we belong. And I think what it shows is that, you know, IndyCar is doing a good job of really getting personalities out there of the drivers. And that's what matters. You know, we've, we've said that for years that, uh, to have a passionate fan base, they have, they have to know someone to be passionate about. And, you know, I, I certainly have felt a tremendous amount of love and support from the IndyCar fan base over the last, you know, four or five months. And, um, and I think a lot of that played into, you know, what Genesis saw and what they read about and, uh, and learned about if they didn't already know, uh, you know, about me. And it just, it struck, a, I struck a chord with them. And so it's, uh, it's definitely one of those, you know, 
door closed, window open scenarios. Let's go to another question that has been posed many times here over the last uh, couple of days. This comes in from our pal Jameen Tuttle. It says, Hinch, I know you're still working uh, on trying to get all your drive-related items sorted out this year. Just curious how you're doing on possibly transitioning into a full season opportunity next year, 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think my my group, my sort of immediate team around me, you know, we've been working, no joke, you know, 24 hours a day, uh, you know, since uh, the beginning of November to, you know, first and foremost, try to get something together full season for 2020. Uh, And when that sort of became a less realistic option, you know, securing obviously the 500 um, and simultaneously putting, putting pieces in place for, you know, a 2021 campaign. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those interesting scenarios because had things played out slightly differently, uh, earlier, you know, at the end of last year, uh, we'd be in a, in a full-time 2020 ride. Um, so, you know, we, we don't feel like we're in the right, you know, we're in the position we should be in. But this is the position we find ourselves in. So we're going to make the most of it. And certainly a, a very large part of that is, you know, making the right steps and decisions to uh, not only keep existing partners happy that have been incredibly supportive, people like Honda and Honda Canada and um, and Petro Canada Lubricants, CSN Collision Centers, all these people that have stood by me through, uh, through this whole thing, uh, making sure that they're, you know, in a good spot, you know, as good a spot as we can get them for 2020 to keep building those relationships and, you know, and really have a strong uh, collection of partners heading into 21. So yeah, it's been uh, top of mind and something that we are on a daily basis working towards already. Another popular question. I wonder why this comes in from Antonio Harris says, will our favorite Canadian be racing Indy cars in Toronto this year? I don't know if you've heard, but there's a street race they put on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard of most sport, right? I've heard of it. <laughs> Bowmanville? Uh, again, I get confused. Something like that. Shannonville? I don't know. There we go. Um, uh, you know what? That's uh, Unfortunately, that's a TBD scenario. Um, Are they allowed you know, to hold a race if you're not in it? That might be the bigger question <laughs> to ask. I think there's a contract. Oh, that that race survived for 30 years well before me. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be just fine if, if we're not there this year. And the important thing to remember is that we are going to be there in 21. And, uh, and even if, you know, we aren't able to get ourselves behind the wheel of an Indy car for that event, I'm still going to be there. You know, I'm still going to be working with the series and the promoters to make sure that, you know, it's the best, the best event that it can be that, you know, we promote the hell out of it and get all the fans in there to see what a show any cars put on around the streets of Toronto. And, you know, Honda obviously supports that event in a tremendous way. And if, if I've got to be there as an ambassador for them, you know, that's, that's going to be my role. I understand that 2020 is going to look a bit different for me and feel a bit different for me, but you know, and uh, a lot of my, a lot of my goals outside of the car are the same. That's, you know, grow the sport, uh, grow the sport back home, make sure the Toronto events, a great one. Uh, and so we're, uh, we'll be there in one, in one capacity or another, but I, I just can't, I can't tell you right now whether or not we're going to be able to be behind the wheel of an Indy car. If it's not behind the wheel of an Indy car, can I go ahead and suggest stadium super trucks? We'll, <laughs> we'll dress one of, we'll get some Honda Ridgeline body work and not just competing in those sessions, you actually drive that sucker home and back every night. That you know what it would 
it would make the uh, the commute and the traffic a little bit easier if I could just drive over most of the people in front of me. Uh, I, I'm seeing some sort of progressive or Geico sponsorship with all the, the mayhem you're going to create. But, yeah, I, I think we solved the problem. We got your funding done for the next couple of years. There you uh, go. Let's go to our man, Jeff Barack. Got a question here kind of along the lines I was curious about. He says, well, now that you have a sponsor for May, which team are you going to drive for? Is it the one you're under contract with or a different Honda-powered one? And I also mentioned, I believe I saw the number 55 on the rendering of the Genesis Mobile. Do you know if that will be your number, or does that number have some significance for a promotional standpoint? No, that, honestly, the, the number was a placeholder. That, uh, that image of the car that came out wasn't really something that was supposed to go too far. Um, that's, that was just an arbitrary number that ended up there. Um, I can't, I can't yet reveal the team. Uh, we're hoping to have, uh, have that sorted, you know, pretty soon here. It's Ferrari. Um, Ferrari. but you know, as I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, breaking news. Uh, no, but you know, it's yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, loyalty to, to my partners and, uh, and in general is very important. And, you know, Honda has been uh, very good to me over the last, uh, you know, last bunch of years in IndyCar. And so it will be with a Honda power team. Can I ask if you have that piece of business done or if that's something you're kind of getting down to the finish line on getting figured out? Yeah, we're still getting down. Uh, we're still we're in the nitty gritty. We're getting down to the final details, but we're uh, we're very confident of the program that's coming together and excited to be able to announce it hopefully very soon. I love it. All right. Let's get into a little bit of the past. So I've been trying to remember the comedian's name. I think it might be Stephen Wright, who's one of my favorites. And he had, if it was him, again, I believe it was him, has a joke from the 80s about losing one's job. And he said, I didn't lose my job. I know exactly where it is. It's just when I go there now, there's somebody else doing it. (laughs) I've been in that situation myself. Howard Bennett asks, Hinch, can I ask about, that moment when you found out you had lost the, and we're going to use the official hashtag here of the uh, the Week in IndyCar podcast, spam, uh, when you lost the Schmidt-Peterson Aero uh, McLaren Motorsports Drive, did you have any inkling at all that it was coming? Or an uh-oh gut feeling that when Zach Brown and McLaren moved in, was it as big a shock as it was to all of us fans? So, what was that like? Did you did were your spidey senses tingling? Because I know some of us were not too surprised because it felt like that might be the direction the team was going to go. But what about you, the guy in the middle of it all? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, and uh, you know I'll answer the question first, and then and then explain why. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, very shocked. And, and here's why, you know, I'm, I'm not naive and this is not, you know, this is not my first rodeo, uh, in the motorsports world. And, you know, the, the spidey sense tingling happened in August when the announcement, uh, of the, of the change, uh, you know, happened publicly. Um, we, we knew what that could have potentially meant. And frankly, um, had a very upfront conversation with upper levels at, um, spam and <clears throat> for 10 straight weeks every day got looked in the eye and told we were fine we were the guy for 2020 so 
after 10 weeks of being told everything was fine, you know, I'd sort of let my guard down and accepted that, you know, we were going to go racing in 2020. And so that's why it was a shock. You know, if, if in August, when I asked them the day the announcement came out, Hey, if you guys are looking to make a change, you know, let me know now, just be honest with me because we can shake hands and leave on good terms. Sure. Uh, cause I had options. I had teams, you know, trying to hire me at that moment. Uh, but I had a contract that I felt it was my, my obligation to honor, uh, because that's an important word to me as well. Um, and so that's, that's why it was a shock, not, not because of what they ultimately did or why they wanted to do it. I get that it's the how and the when that was the shock. It's time to move on to one more question. And this is an interesting one too, that I posed when all this went down. This comes in from Sean Darby. It says, James, did your statements about wanting to start a driver's union, this was about a year before, I believe, have any effect on what transpired at SPAM? Uh, no, no, not in any way. Um, and we should you know, set the table uh, a little bit that this you were talking about, honestly, drivers being a little prone and exposed uh, if situations like yours and Sebastian Bourdais and, and whatnot came to pass. So you were vocal. You were willing to stand up. And I, I guess I understand why Sean and some others were wondering, ooh, did you feel like there's any blowback? Honestly, no. Uh, it, it, I, I know that, that that wasn't the issue. Um, and even when I you know originally started making those comments a year plus whatever it was ago, uh, I actually had a, a, a good amount of support from the team owners on that thing because – of what our, our motivations really were for it. And I say our, cause you know, I'm, I wasn't some lone bandit rogue out there trying to do this. You know, there's a lot of people uh, in the driving community that are in my corner in this topic, but honestly what happened to me ended up being a uh, case in point for some of the, some of the protections we're looking for down the road. Honestly, when I started talking about this short term, we were looking for insurance breaks and things just to protect guys from a physical and financial standpoint. If someone gets hurt or something, um, this type of contract issue is almost, I mean, that's probably a decade down the road, but if, I mean, <laughs> I, I, like I said, I know it's got nothing to do with that, but if it was, they, they really screwed up. Cause now I got a lot more free time to keep working on this and moving forward <laughs> faster. When he's not out back with a 55 gallon barrel and a broom stirring around the latest batch of a Hinchtown hammer down, he's working yeah, on exactly. the driver's union. I love it. All right. Let's roll into the, the meat of every episode, the, the tenderized and highly flavored portion of the show, which I love. It's just kind of the general miscellaneous questions. We're going to start with our pal Craig Johnson. He says, Hinch, I understand that the red gloves are important to you. However, in honor of your new sponsor for the 500, have you considered switching to more of a blazing orange color? He says, hashtag me personally, another official hashtag of the show. I think it would be a lot easier. For the spam pit box to see the Greg Moore wave as you go blazing past them in the 500. Hey, look at that. A little snarkiness, too. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, orange and red might clash, but uh, but red gloves rule, man. So I'm going to stick to that. Yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much never going to go away, nor should it, thankfully. All right, we're going to go to Dwight Denham. Genesis. Hmm. Peter Gabriel, or Phil Collins. Hope he gets it right. What says you? Which era? This is like Van Halen, right? Is it? Is it yeah. David Lee Roth? 
Is it Sammy Hagar? Where do you fall in the Genesis timeline? Because I'm a long time, huge fan of the band, although they unfortunately spell their name a little bit differently than your sponsor. That's that's what I was going to say. Took the words out of my mouth. I'm technically on neither side of. I'm the the G E N E S Y S Genesis side. Uh, but I mean, if you're going to make me pick on that one, I'm going to go Phil Collins. I got to admit, there there's no wrong answer, and I think Phil Collins is viewed for some of the syrupy stuff he did in the '80s as being soft. Man, you listen to his first and second albums with Genesis after Peter Gabriel uh, went elsewhere. It's pretty serious stuff there. That's, that's some harder stuff than you might expect. So there you go. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, it's both errors are good, but I'd, I'd land on Phil. All right. You are feeling it in the air tonight, Mr. Hinchcliffe. You know, we have someone and, and I might've missed it here, but there is, we do have a listener who is wondering how did the mayor of Hinchtown moniker start? Oh, wow. Um, that started uh, back in 2006 and is kind of when we created Hinchtown, which was my sort of online little township for my you know, space, for fans huh? to follow. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't far, it was not far removed from it. Uh, Marshall, 2006, you know, it was my website. I made Hinchtown.com. You know, at the time, the big thing for drivers to do, especially, you know, young drivers trying to promote themselves was to have a website. And everybody was just, you know, driver X or driver X racing.com. And I didn't want James Hinchcliffe racing.com a, no one can spell Hinchcliffe and B it just sounds boring. And so we came up with the concept of calling it Hinchtown and, uh, and sort of having, you know, the, the daily bugle was the news section, you know, and the Hinchtown <laughs> movie theater was video clips and, uh, you know, the Hinchtown bank was the sponsors page. And, uh, was there ever like so a Sim City version? Now that would be that might actually be a great little side project for you and your your tech pals at Genesis to do for the five hundred. A little there you go, Hinchtown Sim City something or other. And you, you build your own track around the town or something like that. But yeah, so it's it's Hinchtown was was formed, and I was just sort of voted the de facto mayor. It would have been sad if you weren't, right? I mean, well, that- <laughs> I mean. Every time I meet a politician, I tell them, I was like, hey, look, let me give you a little piece of advice for politics. You want to you want to guarantee guarantee an election. You just build your own city, name it after yourself and you're a shoe. See, I like the intelligent plan here. It's good. Our man Bobby Rooney says, Hinch, in your current situation, continuing to look for ride opportunities. Says, how do you balance the desire to be in a car and be part of the action? Uh, with the implications of a competitive ride, what wins out? Would you consider getting into a mid-pack or back-of-the-field car just to be on the grid? That's actually uh, that's a tremendous question, Bobby, and it's uh, it's one we had to sit down and have a very serious conversation about, you know, within our team. And uh, there is a there is a delicate balance there, you know, in terms of competitiveness, um, you know, from a commercial standpoint, making sure that your partners are getting what they need out of it and supported in the way that they need from the race team. And, and some teams don't necessarily have all of those ingredients. Um, so yeah, there, there, you know, may have been, uh, and I mean, you know, the way it played out, luckily the, there was not really a huge decision to be made in that sense, but, um, early on, yeah, we had to kind of have a, have a talk about it and establish, you know, what's the cutoff, where are we willing to go and for how many races, for how much money with what support, 
um, it's definitely a, a factor you have to consider. And this all kind of goes back to the 2021 conversation, you know, placing yourself in the best position for 2021 does involve, you know, having competitive outings in the races that you have in 2020. And it does involve keeping partners happy and, and wanting them to continue the partnerships and grow the partnerships that you've built. So that's uh, it's a, it's a tricky concept because honestly, as a driver, you just want to be out there, right? You just want to be driving uh, every weekend, but uh, there's a balance for sure. Not every invitation should be accepted. Right. Let's go to, you know, this might actually be my favorite question of the episode. And it's because I guess I am a sappy fool. This comes from our man, Don Gregory on Facebook says for both MP and Hinch, can you briefly talk about how your wives have inspired both of you in your personal and professional growth? Beautiful question. What do you want to start start us off on this one, MP? Um, sure. Uh, for those of you who know me, hashtag me personally, or if you happen to follow my nonsense on the social medias and the book faces and the tweeters and such, you'll know that I'm rather fond of my wife. I kind of sort of love her a little bit. Um, I'll tell you, I thought that I was a fully evolved human being when she and I met. I was 31-ish, 32, something like that. She was around the same age. And I soon learned that I was not. So, A, meeting a woman who has your best interest in mind is pretty amazing. Because I'm sure as many of you all can attest, whether it is boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, not everyone that you have paired with necessarily has you as the core thing that they want to take care of and look after. Sometimes there's a lot of selfishness. Never encountered that with her. So that's amazing. That made me, her efforts to support me have been pretty amazing on the personal side. I would say on the professional side, James, that is the reason you and I are speaking right now in this capacity is 100% because of her. After I, quote, retired from racing, working on the team side, uh, you know, the crew stuff and engineering and managing all that crap, uh, at the end of the 2001 season, uh, I said, you know, been traveling for most of my adult life. It's been really hard to have relationships. You can't really have a dog or a cat because if you're gone for two weeks, it's going to feed the thing, et cetera, et cetera. I really do need to try and create a real life for myself and see if maybe at some point in the future I can incorporate racing back into it. So did that, worked a bit of a 9-to-5 in biotech, actually right next to uh, the hometown for Genesis, and got back into racing, flew out, doing a lot of engineering, team-managing type stuff on the weekends and World Challenge or Road to Indy type stuff, uh, and said, you know, maybe, uh, maybe this relationship that she and I have formed, maybe this can become actual marriage. So we got married in 2005, uh, I was due to run a factory Subaru team at the 25 hours of Thunder Hill a week later and spend half that, uh, weekend in Hawaii kind of on the phone, which pissed her off a lot. So there you go. But <laughs> what was pretty amazing Hinch is that working this nine to five ish type thing, doing some things in racing on the weekend, being really busy, it started to pick up a little bit of media work. Cause that was something that always interested me. 
having more or less stepped away from the full-time biotech job, which paid well, wasn't earning a ton, but said to her, I think I can do this. Uh, I think I could make this media racing thing a career, but we're not really doing well financially. And she wasn't working at the time. And she said, do it. Absolutely do it. Stop whatever else. Quit farting around trying to be something you're not. Do this thing that you have a passion for that you're not very good at yet. But, you know, if you (laughs) put more time into it, maybe you will. But she's 100% responsible for me doing what I do today in the media. This is now, I don't know, man, year 14 or something like that. But it was 100% of her saying, you have a passion and a desire. You need to explore it. Times are going to be really rocky and unsure and a little bit scary for us paying bills. And there were times like no joke. I had to borrow money from one of my driver friends to pay rent uh, at times because this didn't pan out. That didn't pan out. But she's the one that said, take that leap. I support you with however it plays out because I don't want to be married to a guy who is living less than his best life. So, Don, that's the, the quick and easy answer. Um, I used to think that I had my stuff together before she and I met. Uh, I don't even recognize who that idiot was back then. So 100% credit to my lady. How about you, Hinch? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough act to follow, <laughs> Marshall. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I think a lot of the points that you, that you make are uh, – are true across the board, you know, when on the personal side, you know, I think that there's certain amount of personal and, you know, and, and, uh, emotional growth that you can't have in your person. You know what I mean? That, that person that brings certain things out in you that you didn't even know were there and, and you wouldn't have discovered without, without having them in your lives. And, you know, for, uh, for me, obviously that's, that's what Becky's done. And, you know, we've, we've shared, I don't even know how long it's been, man. We're, you know, four years together, whatever it is now. Um, I know every, every woman's, every man listening is cringing and every woman listening is very upset with me, but, um, we got married in August. I know that that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from the, from the personal side, I think just the, the growth that you have being with someone that, uh, that is your best friend that understands you and supports you and, this life that you sort of start building together. Um, it's, it's an incredible experience. You know, I'm, I am, I'm so happy to be married to her. I wish we'd gotten married sooner. And, uh, and I can say that we'd been married longer than we have been, but I plan to do it for a little while longer. So we'll, we'll keep ticking the years off. Uh, and then on the professional side, I mean, it's, uh, I don't think there's a driver in the IndyCar series that wouldn't tell you that, you know, their, their partner is, probably the most important person in their life, uh, from a professional standpoint as well, because our job is very, uh, difficult. It is very strenuous and stressful. It's all consuming. Um, it's highest of highs and lowest of lows. And on those, on those tough days, you know, having that consistent, uh, energy, you know, in your life, that, that person that can always be there to talk to about, you know, what's going wrong or, or, you know, share successes with, um, 
you know, I, I, at the end of a, at the end of a rough day on track, you know, I'm heading back to the bus and the only thing that keeps me from driving my scooter into a bush or a trash can sometimes is knowing that, you know, Becky's going to be there when I get there to talk it out Mm. and help me realize that it's not the end of the world. We can get through this and tomorrow's a new day. And, uh, you know, and uh, another chance to, to race. And so, you know, like I said, professionally, personally, uh, I'm so lucky to have, uh, someone like her in my life. I'll just add quickly to close Dawn. And this, I believe is unique to most professional athletes, not necessarily us on the reporting about it side, but definitely on Hinch's side. When you think of those athletes in committed relationships, the person committing to that relationship is accepting something where this person, husband, wife, whatever, is going to be unreliable in terms of their presence and also subject to, as Hinge mentioned, pretty massive emotional swings, even for the coolest players in the sport. So you have this thing where my husband or wife is out the door Wednesday on a flight to wherever, gone for the rest of the weekend. Uh, the dog just crapped all over the carpet. The roof sprung a leak. The <laughs> whatever it is, trash cans got it, knocked it over by the raccoons. It always happens when you're gone. It and always happens when you're gone. A hundred percent. And you know, the, look, we're not talking about this as war and disease and famine type hardships, but you know, when for most people, I think are used to husband and wife leaving in the morning, coming back home, being together, you always have that rock who's there for the spouses uh, of professional athletes in particular. There's a level of fortitude. I mean, even my wife, when I'm having to travel, it's if things go completely haywire, uh, there's no one else to solve that problem. The things that I would normally do when I'm home, that the comfort and knowing that a lot of things are locked down when I'm here, well, that comfort goes away and she has to be everything, handle every situation, do it herself. There's no one else to come in and solve that thing. That asks a lot. And then the emotional side, which again is more on the, the athlete side, you win. It's the best ever. And then, you know, whatever it is that, that plummets the next time, you're buckling in for a heck of a ride that's a lot different than two folks just kind of going to work at the office, coming home from the office, and things being relatively flat the whole time. So I think that's why you hear athletes regularly give shout-outs and love to their families. It's not because it's kind of a rote practice thing, Hinch. It's more of a yeah, we realize we kind of put you through a lot of shit. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, got, uh, we got deep on it. I like it. Hey, uh, let's go. We got a couple of questions here. Uh, Dylan Chenier, Nicole Bitzer, and John Haverlin wanting to know if you have any interests or if you've made any efforts to do more than just try and find a seat in IndyCar, Hinch, like IMSA, uh, Nicole's just asking about curiosity and trying to find something to keep you busy this year in sports cars. John asks, what about NASCAR? Well, maybe an Xfinity road course race. So beyond the 500 and whatever else you might do with Genesis, where have your eyes been focused? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, anything with four wheels and an engine, you know, for us, um, uh, I just, I just want to race and, you know, if anything, the, uh, the 2020 calendar year is almost, uh, it's almost a bit of a gap year for me where I can, you know, 
run off and backpack across Europe, but in the motorsport sense, if that, you know, if that analogy is, is, uh, usable here. And so, um, the sports car stuff's a little, little tougher just because, you know, obviously with my ties to Honda, uh, we gotta, we gotta be conscious of that. And, you know, I want to be, be racing Hondas as, as often as I can. And, um, you know, unfortunately with the late nature of everything that went down, everything that was Honda or Acura powered was sort of spoken for, uh, on the IMSA side, but, um, you know, we're looking at some other opportunities. We are looking at some stock car stuff. Um, I'd, I'd love to, uh, you know, attack some bucket list races, like maybe something over at Le Mans. Um, I love to get the call to go do Bathurst again. Uh, you know, anything with, uh, with four wheels and an engine, like I said, if it's, uh, if it's racing on Saturday or Sunday, sign me up. I love it. All right. We're going to swing through the final batch of questions here. Uh, starting with, where should we go? Alan Bandy, man, this is awesome. He says, first off, when I saw the reference to you on letter Kenny, I couldn't help but geek out and laugh hysterically. Um, Same. Exactly. Uh, I'll just stick with that. Uh, for folks who aren't aware of what Letter Kenny is, maybe you could set the stage for that. But then also tell us about you being a reference, good old Jimmy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> Man, you know, I think uh, that's one of those one of those things that you know you haven't you haven't truly made it until you've been referenced on a hilarious Canadian television show. Uh, Shit's Creek qualifies, Letter Kenny qualifies. There are many that qualify, but um, yeah, I mean, man, how do you describe Letter Kenny to people that haven't seen it? It's uh, it's small town Canada. Uh, it's a, 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 a sitcom that takes place in small town Canada, and you really just have to watch it to understand it. And even if you watch it, you might not understand <laughs> what's being said. It seems, but more authentic than maybe some Canadians might want. I don't know. I mean. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. These are, I'm fairly certain these are all based off real people. <laughs> like, I've, I've met people just like this and it's awesome. I think they do Canada immensely proud. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to be referenced on the show was, uh, was hilarious and, uh, you know, proof that, uh, Canada's watching and paying attention to IndyCar racing, which is incredible. I love it. Let's go to Zach Eckler, James. He says, would you ever consider a broadcaster spot anywhere in the retirement future? And uh, I guess that implies you'd only want to do it after you're done with driving. But A, I don't know if that's the case. And Zach also says, thanks for the two of you guys. Uh, you guys are amazing. Your sense of humor and everything you do for the sport. Well, little you kind of didn't stick the landing there, Zach. I'm not sure about that. But tell us about broadcasting. Any desire of speaking to microphones before you retire? Uh, well, you know, I, I've been really fortunate that I've had some really, uh, really cool opportunities to do some broadcasting and commentating stuff, um, while still driving, you know, going back to my days in the formula Atlantic series, commentating on champ cars, international broadcast, um, you know, getting to go down to Australia for servers paradise and, uh, and work for one of the local sports stations, there, broadcasting on that race and, uh, traveling around the world with a one GP pit lane reporting for them. So I've, I've actually for, you know, a, a still active guy, uh, you know, an active driver had some really cool opportunities. And so for sure in the retirement, uh, retirement side of things, that's an avenue I'd, I'd love to explore. Uh, and you know, again, with, uh, with this gap year that I, uh, I'm going to be having for 2020, you know, there might be an opportunity to sort of dip my toes in that water on the IndyCar side and, uh, see if I like it and see if I'm any good at it and, and see if it is a realistic opportunity for the future. Let's go to Patrick McTie. 
who pulls off the better full Wookiee beard, Marshall or Hinch? <laughs> I got to give you that one, man. I think your Wookiee beard is uh, is far superior. I had to cut it finally because I just I I wanted to rip it off of my a I wanted to rip it off my face. That's not good. And B, it did start to feel like it was a separate organism. It, there might have been some Wookiee <laughs> DNA going on. Uh, I did post a shot I think from like no late November, and I know Pagina responded like. Holy crap, what is wrong with you? So it, it <laughs> He's just jealous he can't grow a beard like that. Yeah, he, he is a little smooth bottomed fellow, isn't he? Uh let's go to he our is. man Paul Trahan says, Hinge, any truth to the rumor of you maybe trying to put together your own team? And he says, Does the idea of being a driver owner sound better to you? And he also asks, What is the fate of the off track with Hinch and Rossi podcast? <laughs> oh, well, I'll start with that one. Uh, off track with Hinch and Rossi, we'll be making a triumphant return. I promise. It's just been uh, it's been it's been difficult managing schedules and and the rest of it uh, during the off season, uh, and that that falls on us. And we apologize to anybody that is uh, a co listener of uh, of this podcast and that one. But purely, uh, we will be purely Rossi's fault, though, right? This is nothing oh, to no, do with no. you. Well, no, I, I'm unemployed. So, yeah, it's purely his fault. He's See, been busy doing stuff. If he was committed to the podcast, <laughs> he'd quit his job with Andretti Auto Sports. Exactly That's what I'm getting at. Exactly right. God, the problem is if hat. he did that, I'd be the first guy in line to take it and then uh, be back in the same <laughs> spot. So, you know, it'd be... That would be a podcast. Hey, first episode <laughs> back. So, uh, Alex, what you do with that free time, pal? And then we hear the sound of trash cans being thrown and punching and a, a bad dust up. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, what about um, team ownership? Uh, what would you yeah. call the team? Let, let's start there. What would you call the team? Because Hinchcliffe Racing, it's got to be unique, right? What would you call it? Oh, man. Well, now you put me on the spot. Uh, it would be called um, Racing McRaceface Racing. Done. Hashtag. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm just making a note because we've added another po- uh, hashtag to the podcast, so we're all good there. What about Racing this? the gray space. What is what about um, this? Does that interest you? Honestly, not a ton. No. I mean, I could see working in some capacity with a team. Team ownership, though, is, you know, as a driver, you know, is uh, doing both. Both, I feel like you, you can't focus enough of your energy on one or the other. Those are both jobs that require 100% focus. And uh, and 100 percent of one's attention to do them truly successfully, I, I believe, and um, I think it'd be really tough to kind of balance both. I know guys have done it, you know, for periods of time uh, and 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 had success doing it. But uh, if I ever switched over to the team side of it, I would definitely want it to be, you know, once the once we'd hung up the helmet. I give a lot of credit to the to the drivers that have done it, you know, uh, because I think it is an immense challenge. Um, so, you know, kudos to anybody that has, has been in that position, but, uh, I think, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to end, end the, end the chapter on one and then start a chapter on the other, if that's the way it's going to go. Our man, let's see, who should we go with? All right. John Wonar and JJ Gertler, similar questions here. Hinch, what's scarier? Eight Tim Durham sized bears or one bear sized Tim Durham. Tim being your producer on the off track podcast. And uh, JJ asks, Mr. Hinchcliffe, sir, if Alexander Rossi were a Timbit, what flavor would he be? 
<laughs> okay. All right. So, so it's almost like we got an episode of off track here. So, I mean, that, look, of. I'm happy. I'm really happy. Okay. So the, the thin, the thin thing, I think the answer is, um, it was what one dinosaur? No, size? Eight, eight Tim Tim Durham sized bears, or one bear right. sized Tim Durham. Uh, one bear sized Tim Durham because Tim Durham sized bears they don't talk and they aren't annoying and they aren't just interrupting and thinking that people care about their opinions. So you know, one big bear sized version of Tim would just not stop ever where <laughs> 10, 10 bears. I can, I'm Canadian. I mean, I can handle that. That's not a problem. You grew up fighting them in the backyard. That's, that's a ritual. That's a rite of passage in Canada. Oh no, we don't fight them. They're our pets. They're like dogs. They're, 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 you know, they're teddy bears. <laughs> uh, you got the clothes, right? You can go into any little pet smart and get your, your bear clothes, dress them up all cute yeah. for Halloween. I know Put this little harnesses on them and yeah, no, they're great, man. They're, uh, they're nice and protective. Uh, they eat a lot, but you know, um, and what, <laughs> what? The, it's the best. Okay. So, so, um, I'm trying the, to, I don't know. I don't know what they're called, but they're the ones that just look like a normal glazed timbit on the outside, but they have the strawberry filling and, and let me explain how I get to this conclusion. Oh, okay. Please. Because I actually, I actually don't like those particular Timbits, um, but I, but I do quite like Alex Rossi, so that's why I feel like I need to justify this answer. Um, the reason being is that you look at those Timbits, and on the outside they just look like a normal vanilla plain Jane uh, Timbit, right? And then when you really get to know the Timbit and you get into the Timbit's head you learn that there's all there's a, there's this, this explosion of personality and flavor in there that you did not necessarily expect just by looking at the Timbit from a safe distance. And Alex Rossi is very similar. He just sort of looks like a guy, you know, maybe a guy you'd talk to. And sometimes at the racetrack, he's, you know, in business mode and hyper-focused. And you don't really know that if you really bit into Alexander Rossi, there's, a whole strawberry jam filling worth of goodness in there that a lot of people don't get to know or see. Um, so that's why I think he's one of those. He's definitely not like a sprinkle Timbit, anything with sprinkles on it. Because if you look at a sprinkle Timbit, it's just chaos. There's no order. It's messy. That's the, the Connor Timbit, Daly. Just, that's a Connor Daly sprinkles Timbit. Exactly. Exactly. Alex is OCD, clean, perfectionist. So it can't be anything with sprinkles. Uh, and like I said, I think the sort of wolf in sheep's clothing esqueness of the normal glazed Timbit with the strawberry jam in the middle, I think that's the hot ticket for Alex. James Hinchcliffe saying, when you put the Alexander Rossi Timbit in your mouth, an explosion of flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that right there. All right. We're going to go to Nick Vance. Says, happy to hear something's coming together for you. Let's look back. He says, if you could drive any IndyCar from the past 40 years on a track anywhere in the world, what would you drive Ooh. and where? Ooh, neat. Um, cool. I like it. So any IndyCar for the last 40. Okay. So first and foremost, I would love to drive Jacques winning Indy 500 car around the speedway. 95 Renard. Cosworth. Yep. Yep. 
play. I think it was beautiful. The players blue and white. It was just awesome. I remember watching that race. I remember being so excited. I was a huge Jacques Villeneuve fan. Uh, so getting to, getting to, to drive that car on that track, I think would be pretty spectacular. Um, and I've got, I've got two more. Uh, another one that I'd love to drive is the, the Renensky, the, 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 the Reynard Penske, like early to like, Oh one, the Renski. Yep. The, the Renski. Yeah. Sorry. Not Renensky. The Renski. I think he was a um, Russian, uh, player for the, <laughs> the Maple Leafs, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'd want to, I mean, yeah, sure. It'd be cool to go to Fontana and see what like 140 or 241 averages, 242 averages. But, um, uh, that car around like a road America, I think would just be oh. next level. Awesome. Uh, you know, thousand plus horsepower and just, you know, crazy Penske magic, you know, sprinkled throughout that thing. Um, that would just be incredible. Uh, and then I'd love to drive any Greg Moore 99 players Forsyth. IndyCar at any track doesn't matter. Good man, good, good man. All right, we're gonna jump to. Oh, that's a good one there. All right, we're gonna go. Philip Schmidt says, James, you've known Connor Daly for some time, of which we apologize <laughs> for, as a driver and also as a person. Even worse, what's your take on him racing in midgets? Have you watched some of his races? Also, is it something you would like to try one day? Philip also says, congrats on being married to the amazing Becky and your dog kids. Thank you very much for that. Um, yes, uh, I honestly I love the fact that he does it, and uh, I have watched some of the race. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gone to the track to watch him, but I've watched some of the stuff online, the videos that he posts, and whatever. And I mean, like I said, I'm, I love driving anything, and I love guys that that like driving different things and uh, trying different classes and formulas and whatever. And uh, that is obviously such a disconnect from what we do on a on a weekly basis in, in IndyCar and. You know, he's got uh, he's got a lot of cojones for getting out there and not just like trying it at your local, you know, eighth mile dirt track. I mean, he's going to the friggin chili bowl and doing this. You know, that's <laughs> that's going to, you know, they're they're Indy 500. And uh, I mean, it takes a lot of a lot of guts, man. And I, I credit him for it. Uh, <clears throat> and I'd love to try it one day. Um I, I don't know when that opportunity will come up or, you know, when that uh, will present itself, but yeah, I mean, at some time I'd love to give it a try because, you know, I grew up sliding, you know, power sliding cars around ice rinks, uh, or uh, barely shoveled parking lots as a kid, you know, up in Toronto in the snow. So I feel like getting on dirt and being full up a lock for most of the lap with a, you know, thousand horsepower car would be pretty cool. I love it. And I also love this one from our man, Gary Petrie, who says, Hinch, now that Prince Harry is no longer an official member of the royal family, have you considered using the HRH title that is now available? And that was his royal highness. I suggested his royal hinchness. What do you think, HRH? Too close to RHR. I don't want to confuse people. Hunter Ray is a good friend of mine, and you know I don't want to have any confusion over who they're talking about. HRH, <laughs> RHR. You know, let's just let's just keep it simple. I mean, I am also married to an actress, and uh, I do also have a British passport. So you know, there are some parallels there, but um, I'll stick to the mayor and, and let uh, let Ryan have the. Uh, the three-letter acronym names with R's and H's. I, oh man, this is just the best. 
Uh, we're going to go to Brian Cohn and Jeff Greendike. Similar questions. Brian asks, how are sales of Hinchdown and Hammerdown doing? Any new beers on the horizon? And Jeff asks, Hinchdown, Hammerdown, or Andretti Vineyards Wine? Oh, I mean, Hinchdown, Hammerdown, obviously. The Andretti well, I mean, beer guess- line, not as good. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I guess it depends on the setting, you know, but like we made Hammerdown so that when you're sitting at a racetrack watching an IndyCar race, you can, you know, smash Hammerdowns all day long. I don't know if you want to be sipping a nice mature Cabernet well, you know, turn two in a hundred five degree heat. Um, both are both are delicious, though. I, I highly recommend both. I've consumed my fair share of both, and I highly recommend both. Um, and yeah, it's doing well, man. I mean, obviously, you know, IndyCar season is kind of the big season for for Hammerdown. So heading into March, we're uh, expecting to ramp up a little bit and, and sell lots, and hopefully, people enjoy it. And no new brews on the horizon at the moment. But uh, who knows? You never know. We're just focusing on the one at, at the, the time being. You know, there's a question that I think I forgot to include here, which a little bit serious, but I, I thought it might be interesting to pose as we get down to our last three or four. It was on the question of social media, Hinch. Obviously, with things going a bit sideways towards the end of 2019, you took a planned, articulated, and fairly monastic Step away from social media. I think folks are very accustomed to you being readily active, lots of fun, sharing thoughts, variety of platforms. You had to dial that back quite a bit while you were in the proverbial wilderness figuring out your next steps. What was that like for you as someone who's been accustomed to having absolute green light, night and day, engage, interact with fans, and just let the world into your somewhat troubled mind. What was it like having to dial that back? What did you learn about yourself? Uh, well, I, I learned that I think myself and everyone else on earth can easily survive without social media. <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, no, you, you know what? In all honesty, I missed it. But what I, what I missed was the camaraderie and, and the interaction and engaging with fans. You know, IndyCar has such incredible, uh, incredible fans and such a loyal fan base. And, uh, and they're just, they're very involved and they're very active. And, um, you know, I, I have always tried to be very engaging back with fans on social media and it sucked having to sort of take a step back from that. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I, I did a pretty good job of, of staying off it even from a consumption standpoint. Uh, because I didn't want to read something that triggered me to say something that I shouldn't say. Well, because that's the other side too, right? And that, I don't think there was a concern you were going to do that. But if you spend three seconds on Twitter, you realize that it is also a highly weaponized tool that some folks use, whether their Starbucks latte was served cold or uh, the airplane was late, whatever it is cranky complainy middle finger f you that's kind of a social media outlet thing that we see everywhere all day every day and i'm sure i don't know if that's something that you were tempted to do but that's also a thing i'm sure you had to keep yourself in check on no i'm not going to tell everyone to go f themselves but that had to be a, a component of things too right 
Well, you know, in all honesty, it's it, right off the bat, it was almost the exact opposite because the support was overwhelming. Um, there, there are some very impassioned fans that I think were very upset with the way things were handled. And uh, I think a lot of the feelings I had were expressed for me on my behalf by, you know, thousands of people. And um, and that was that was nice. The, the only tough part was just the misinformation you know, the, the, the half truths and full lies that were circulating that you wanted to correct if for no other reason than just to set the story straight. But it's just a Pandora's box, you know, trying to reply to one thing without getting, you know, involved in something else, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, certain just misleading facts that got out and frustrating in some cases on where they came from, because, when you know they're just blatant lies that are, you know, being used to protect one entity or one party, it just adds fuel to the fire. But, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I'm just so thankful to have, you know, as many supporters as I do and, and that everybody was understanding of, you know, the position that I sort of had to take. Um, we're slowly getting back into it and, and building back up and, and being a little more active again. And, uh, and like I said, it's fun for me cause I just, I just love engaging with the fans. I mean, we've talked about this before. If a 10 year old James Hinchcliffe could have tweeted at Greg Moore and there was a one in, you know, million chance that he might see it, might like it, might, I mean, God forbid respond to it. Uh, hmm. you know, that would have just been like the craziest moment of my life. And so I think back to being that 10 year old kid and, how many 10 year old kids are out there and, and are paying attention to IndyCar. And, uh, and that's why for me, it's always been, it's always been fun to be on social media and, and, and engage like that. And so I, uh, I appreciate the patience that was shown from, uh, from all the supporters and, uh, and we're going to get back to doing some fun stuff here pretty soon. Well, I'll throw in one other quick item. Some friends of ours, like Lee Diffie, Calvin fish, Brian Till, few others, do media training sessions a couple times a year with young drivers. Could be Road to Indy, could be Mazda's young sports car, MX-5 drivers, whatever it might be. We have I've that been through some of them. Yes. They include in those how to interact with the media, how to speak when on camera and whatnot. When they do these media training sessions, there's usually some element of social media a great way to get yourself fired type yeah. uh, explorations. I'm, you know, I don't think I'm overstating the obvious here. I hope our friends like Diff and, and Cal and others pay attention and just young drivers, if not old drivers, pay attention to the last couple months of your life and behavior because there are some deep lessons in how to engage or disengage from a crisis or adversity on social media to improve your odds. Here you are with a month of May plan in place with Genesis and more good things happening. You could have made sure none of those things would have happened by simply using this online tool, this, this phone in your hand to behave or say things that would have just truly destroyed any chance. So hopeful folks realize you, I don't want to say you played this perfectly because it wasn't a ploy. You, you just absolutely aced how to uh, how to handle this situation in a public manner. I appreciate that, sir. That means a lot. Now, of course, go 
tweet a dick pic or something like that to derail everything <laughs> I just said. All right. Um, Second time for everything. <laughs> uh, don't slide into my DMs, Hinch. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah Morell says, Hinch, we all remember your planking injury during your first month of May with Newman Haas. Uh, since you're, uh, you've been between contracts, have you been working on your planking game at all? Oh, I love the throwback question, Jeremiah. Yeah, anybody that looks up my uh, rookie Indy 500 qualifying photo will see a nice big scab on my nice big nose, as if we needed to draw any more attention to it. Uh, no, I I I, uh, I retired from planking uh, about 13 seconds after that uh, that incident at the speedway. So, um, you know, without some of the limitations that I normally have in a in a contract, I call it the no fun clause. You know, I might uh, I might get back into some of the activities that I have not been able to over the last decade or so. You know, in the second half of the summer, but uh, but I still don't want to hurt myself and do anything silly in, in case somebody needs a needs a fill in somewhere. But no, I'm I'm kind of off the extreme sports until uh, until I hang up the helmet. I think. I think uh, Dixie was crowned the planking champion uh, at Indy that year, but. You know, I think he was future aspiration. Shocking! He's also good at that. Of Jesus, course. the guy. It's not even on his Wikipedia page. We got to fix that injustice. <laughs> All right, three to go. Our man Tony Mueller says, "Dear Hinch, as any loyal listener of the Off Track podcast knows, indie car racing is barely more than a hobby for you. While, of course, your real passion is racing Mario Kart. Would you please enlighten a humble beginner like me?" what the best cart slash driver combination is serious stuff here, man. This is, this is the hard hitting journalism that we're looking for because this is what matters. And, uh, the answer is simple. Yoshi is the best combination. Um, traditional cart Yoshi is the character and here's why, you know, different drivers have different attributes and it's, you know, you're either cornering a little better, but slower in a straight line. Sometimes the bigger guys are a bit faster, but they might not turn quite as well. When you're trying to win yourself a championship in Mario Kart, you got to be the most well-rounded driver there is. So you want somebody that's sort of in the middle of the road in all of those categories, and then it's up to the driver to make the difference when he has to on different types of racetracks. That's the answer. Dang, Tony, that's the most impassioned response I might have ever heard from our man here. There um, you go. Brett Ross, penultimate question goes to you. Another Hard-hitting, serious one. Hinch, how would you judge Joseph Newgarden's dancing at your wedding? Who would win in a dance-off? <laughs> you or him? Uh, uh, I mean, Joseph that- won. That was a dance-off, and he he dominated. Joseph Newgarden single-handedly got my wedding on the dance floor. He he was the transition from reception to dance floor, one man show. And he got that party started, and it was it was a sight to behold. Who the um, funk, right? I mean, he doesn't jump yeah. out immediately as as party dance guy, but right? I mean, no, you're right. And I guess I don't know. Either something in the Muskoka air just got to him, <laughs> and the DJ was playing the right beats and uh, killing it up there on the ones and twos. And he just he yeah. I don't know if. Something spoke to him up in the wilderness there, and uh, and he just he let it out, man. And it was it was awesome. It was awesome. All right, 
we are ready to say farewell to this episode with Derek Bartoshek's question. Hinch, what's a guy got to do to get an invite to your coveted Barbarians group dinners when you're in town in Toronto? Says, <laughs> I could make a very good seat filler. Tell folks about this and why, frankly, you want to talk about sponsorship. You probably fund yourself for the year if you, uh, if you start charging for this. <laughs> yeah that's a there you go uh you know what's funny man is i don't i don't normally set the guest list for any dinner there that's normally papa hinch's responsibility so i'm lucky i still get an invite because uh, he's one of the most popular guys in the paddock chair bear uh, but we no, love ourselves some chair bear we sure do and uh yeah the barbarians uh steakhouse there is is just i mean it's an iconic place in the city and you know, during the the Toronto Indie Weekend, we always try and do a big dinner uh, down in the wine cellar. They've got this incredible, you know, private room and a wine cellar that, you know, is just uh, absolutely to die for. And Aaron and the group there always take great care of us and uh, and we love going. But, yeah, I wish I knew the secret. I guess you got to get in, got to get in tight with Jer Bear because he's the one that, uh, that sets the list and, and sends out the invites. Let's close on this. Uh, I hope that I speak for many of your fans and many of your friends when I say I'm so happy for you insofar that you are able and have been able to officially close the chapter on a unhappy, I'd say unfair, un-everything period in your professional career, your hashtag me personally life. You have been able to draw that line and say, this is now officially the past. I can move forward. I do not need to feel like there's any weight on my shoulder from these items. I have new relationships here, existing relationships with partners and sponsors. I have new plans. Everything that I am doing is now strictly about the future. The past is where it belongs. Happy for you, brother. Maybe you could share if you want here to close for those fans that haven't had a chance to hear from you or might be listening in for the first time in a little while. I'm sure they too would love to uh, hear from you for a moment because I know they've helped you through this ride in getting to 2020. Yeah, they, they really have. And, you know, I I live by a, by a motto that, you know, I think it applies to every person in, in every scenario. And it's, it's very simple. You can't change what you can't change. And, you know, things happen. Um, and as soon as you realize that you can't change them, your all of your energy gets focused on, you know, how you make the situation better. What do you do next? Moving, you know, moving your focus to forward and not what's, what's behind you. And it is, you know, in, in a sport that is as, you know, up and down and tumultuous as ours can be, I think it's a tremendous ability to, uh, to have. And no doubt the support that I've, I've, I felt from, from people and from fans has been, uh, has been overwhelming and, and played a big part in that. There were days I'll admit that it was, it was hard to kind of forget and, uh, and focus on the, on the, you know, on the positives and on, on the forward, um, but, you know, I believe very firmly that everything happens for a reason, you know, doors and windows and, and all that jazz. And, uh, this is just, this is just the next chapter for me. And I'm so fortunate that I still get to do this. I'm so lucky that I've had the opportunities I've had that I've spent a decade in this sport and, you know, hopefully still have a few left in me. 
And no matter what, you know, obstacles are put in front of you, it's just the next thing you've got to overcome. There's a solution to every problem. Uh, it's just, it's just taking the time and putting in the effort to finding it. So, you know, 2019 is done. It was still the best year of my life. Uh, I married my best friend and, uh, and nothing can sully that in my mind, but my eyes are firmly on, on 2020 and you know, whatever's in front of me, challenge accepted. The ninth appearance of James Hinchcliffe on my little podcast that started in May of 2016 is done. Thanks, man. Seriously, thanks for being not just a, a good friend, but a good friend to the show. And I do appreciate you saying, hey, you know, let's start talking about the future and trusting my listeners, your listeners uh, and fans to take part in this and know that uh, you'd be in a place where you were welcome, not being uh, being attacked. So thanks, brother. Thank you, sir, as always. So thanks once more to the mayor for sitting in with us, having a fun little conversation. Thanks to you as well for all the great questions that drove the conversation. And we'll just close here by mentioning, if this is indeed your first time checking in with the old Marshall Pruitt podcast, you can visit marshallpruittpodcast.com to find every single podcast we've ever posted, 700 plus now, waiting for you, plus all the ways I can think of that you might want to subscribe to what we do here. Brought to you by Cooper Tires. The Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA.